So you guys, we finished a month of chapter 12. Isn't that awesome? Chapter 12 took us a month. And it's been an awesome study. And so if you guys are visiting today and you haven't listened, you can go to any one of the podcast platforms and type in Great Bay Calvary and you'll we'll pop up. And you can listen to those past messages if you want, uh, you know, if that's something you want to do. But the reality is I think we've had a great time plotting through this chapter. And it's been a great time, as it always is, digging into his word and going through this entire book. But the reality is, is that we've done 11 chapters of, of you know, doctrine. We've done 11 chapters of really digging deep, of Paul kind of hitting home some of these like massive things of saying like, this is who God is and this is how you should see him. This is how you should understand who God is. That's what the first 11 chapters of Romans is or are. I don't know, what's the right word there? Whatever. First 11 chapters are all doctrine, but now we're into the, the practical side of like, this is how you live out this Christian life. This is in light of everything we've learned about God in the first 11 chapters. Now we're learning what it looks like to walk that out. And we've taken a lot of time through chapter 12, talking about all this practical Christian living and what it's meant to look like. And today we're going to dig into another practical and difficult chapter. And I'm telling you this, my encouragement to all of us is this, don't shut off your ears. Don't do it. The church today loves to either shut their ears off or remove the parts of scripture they don't like. And for those of us that are in a, listen to me when I say this, a conservative church background, I'm not speaking of politics here, a conservative church background, we look at the liberal churches and we say, man, you're wrong. You're missing it. And I do believe they're missing it whenever they take the parts out that say that homosexuality is wrong. And when they take those parts out, we need to let the Bible be the Bible and we need to let it change us. But can I tell you guys something? The conservative church movements don't like Romans chapter 13, verse one through seven. They struggle with that. What do you mean I've got authority over me? Don't tell me. I'm an American. <laughs> yeah, you do. And it's in God's word. And we don't get to take it out. And we don't get to flavor it with our context. We take it for what it is and we, we read it and we understand it. So my encouragement to us all today is do not shut off your ears. Remain open to the truth that God wants to speak to us because you guys, his word is truth. Amen. Amen. If you're not walking in here thinking that his word is the absolute truth, then can I just encourage you in something? You don't really get it yet. You just don't get it. Because if his word isn't the truth and his word isn't, the, he's not the boss in your life, then guess who is? You. And if you're the boss, you're the God, you stink as a God and he's, you are not going to get you to heaven. Do you get it? It all ties together. And so it's a very important thing that we're talking about here today every time we come to God's word. But today, man, it's easy to dismiss this. It's, it's, it, it, I would say in America, we want to dismiss this often. And the truth is, can I tell you something, American? You have the freedom to do that. <laughs> you do. You have the freedom to dismiss it. But realize that you're playing God over God. And I would say that's a pretty bad place to be. Yeah. I would encourage you not to be there, but let him be God over you. Amen? Amen. So first thing, we need to remember that this letter to Roman, to the 
to the Roman Christians was written as one big note. I'm gonna keep pointing that out because as we're digging through and as we're taking all this time to dig through this letter, remember, this is one big letter. We treat the Bible differently because we don't have the time to dig in and, and mine out and chew. But imagine this. Has anybody ever received a love letter when you were in high school? Well, okay, I'll go one step further. Whenever I was in the military and I was deployed, you would get these letters. Whenever my wife was in Afghanistan, it's a little different now, right? It's not like World War II where we're like, oh, dearest love, where have thou been? <laughs> right? No, we, whenever she was in Afghanistan, we would, we would talk almost every day on video conference, right? And then some days it would be, we'd be talking and a bomb would like fall on the base and you'd hear, and she'd be like, I gotta go. That was fun, staying up until three in the morning praying until she came back on and was like, everything's good. Stupid idiots keep dropping bombs on the base. But the reality is, you guys, if you've ever got a letter, what do you do with it? You read it in its entirety, don't you? If it's a love letter, you read it again. Sometimes you'll hone in on a couple sentences and you'll be like, oh, what did she mean by that? I think she loves me. This is God's love letter to us, this whole thing, man. I would encourage you, come to it the same way. But when we're going through, yeah, we're, we're taking pieces and looking at it. But remember, it's one big note. So the point, obviously, here that we're getting to here in chapter 13, verse 1, ties into chapter 12. There was no chapters when Paul wrote it. He wasn't like, end the point, new chapter, let's keep going. No, he just kept writing, right? He just kept talking. And so when we're looking at this, we've got to keep in mind that this ties into what we talked about last week. Remember, repay no one evil for evil. Having regard, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Remember that? Yeah. And what do we talk about? That doesn't give you a buy if you wake up in the, in the morning and you're like, man, I crawled out the wrong side of the bed. I am not living at peace with anybody. I can't wait to get to my boss. I'm going to let that guy have it. Like, that's not what, what Paul was getting at. What he was saying is, is you live at peace, period, end of sentence. If people don't want to be peaceable with you, that's between them and the Lord. You keep living at peace with them. We've got to remember that when we dig into this chapter. You ready? I've given us enough caveat. Let's do it. Verse one says this of chapter 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. What's he saying? He's like, don't just be afraid because they're going to throw you in jail or hurt you if you do the wrong thing. He's like, you should have a conscience in you. You should have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And that should speak into the fact that you're not going to want to do these things, right? That's what he's saying. Verse six, for because of this, you also pay taxes. 
And they are God's ministers to attending continually to this very thing. They're supposed to be managing our money. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. You guys, this is a very tough section of scripture, isn't it? But let's, let's look at this. We know, you guys, that God is the ultimate authority over the entire universe, right? He's it. He's it. He created it all. He spoke it into existence, and it became what it was. I want you to think about that. God is the ultimate authority over the entire universe. It always cracks me up when people, we were watching a show the other day, and they're like, the universe is with us. I'm like, the universe wants to kill you. That's the universe's job. Go to outer space without any way to breathe. You'll die. Stay outside naked for long enough. You'll die. Right? The universe wants to kill you. There's food that you can eat that will kill you. There's a million ways that this universe is set up to show you that you are not nearly as cool and big and bad as you seem to think you are. But the universe itself has nothing to do with anything. It was a created thing just like we are created. Amen? Amen. And so the universe shows us something that he created it, that he's sovereign over it. You guys, he has chosen to pour out his grace upon us. He has chosen to be merciful. You understand he didn't have to do any of that, seriously. I need us to get our head around this. God is gracious and merciful. That is who he is. So he would never do these things. But the reality is, if we get our head around who he is, as far as the power and the majesty that he commands, do you understand that God has the power at any moment to say to the earth and just stop us? And what would happen? Gravity would disappear suddenly and we'd be like, and fly off into outer space. And that, that wonderful universe that people pray to all the time would kill you. God is that big. God is that powerful. Do you understand that? You might be like, what the heck does this have to do with this scripture? A lot. We got to start with the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate authority. He's it. He is the big kahuna. He's the one in charge. Not you, not me. American, I say to you, go vote. Take full advantage of the freedom that God's given us in this country because you could just as easily have been born in another country under somebody that you didn't get to choose. You could have been under King Farquaad. <laughs> right? Like, it could have been, you could have been anywhere. Yeah, you all know what I'm talking about, some Shrek. Oh, to come drop buttons. <laughs> you guys, do you understand that he's gracious and merciful, but do you also understand this? He's just. Our God is just. He's a just God. And so what we're reading here, you guys, is this, that he uses human government and authority structures in order to govern this world. And that is hard for us to get our head around, isn't it? It is. Because if we start looking outside of our own country even, man, you get to places where, I mean, Germany with Hitler in charge. You realize Hitler was actually voted in. What about places like Cambodia when Pol Pot was in charge? Nobody voted him in. He just took it. There's a lot of things that you look and you're like, man, Lord, how? How does that work? What does that look like? I don't understand, God, right? That's why this section is so hard. 
but we can't dismiss it. We've got to chew through it and think about it. He is a just God and he uses human government and authority structures to govern this world. And what we read here, you guys, in chapter 13, verse one, is it says, let every soul, let every human, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. God has appointed an authority structure over us. And I need you to hear this. Nothing escapes God. He is in complete control. The system of authority that he's set up, he allows. I want you to process that. This set of verses really does help us understand if we go backwards and we're like, man, Lord, why would you allow Babylon to come in, set a siege against Jerusalem, like cause the mass death of tons of people and do all these things? But remember, the whole time God was also sending prophets that were like, give up, surrender. This is the way God's gonna do this. He's gonna use Babylon to chasten you and to teach you something so that you can come out. And what did they do? Never! They were America before America was, man. We got this. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. We're eating our babies. Yeah, that's horrible. We're going to keep going. We finally give up because our king was a coward and ran out the back door. Man, they could have made it a lot easier. Do you understand? This stuff isn't easy to deal with but it doesn't make it any less true. God has set up authority structures for our good and nothing escapes God. Now, I need you to hear this. I need you to keep this in mind. There's this thing called hermeneutics. Has anybody ever heard of that word? So hermeneutics is what we do, what I do every week when I'm studying. It's the art of interpretation. It's, it's not really an art. It's the act of interpreting. It's the proper way to interpret. We don't interpret any other way except through the act of hermeneutics. And hermeneutics always starts looking at scripture from their perspective. You've got to get your head around where they were and what they were doing. You can't start in our perspective and be like, yeah, Paul was an idiot. If he was here, he would have. No, you're wrong. You start where he was. Why? Because God chose to write through Paul, not through you. And so you let it be where it is. You go to their town and you look around right? It's, it's something that we do kind of instinctively, but we don't do it with the Bible. We do it instinctively in history, right? Think about this. When we go down, does anyone ever been down to Boston to see where the Boston massacre happened? Has anyone ever been to Gettysburg? Yeah. Okay. For those of you that haven't, I can tell you this. The battlefield is full of monuments, right? Everywhere. And I'll give you an example of what a bad hermeneutic looks like. My children were on the, I think it was Bunker Hill was where we were at. And we were looking across at Devil's Den in Gettysburg, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like a, not Bunker Hill, whatever, man. Look, (laughs) Bunker Hill to to Devil's Den would be quite the hike. (laughs) They were looking across the way. (laughs) What is it, man? You know, little round top. Thank you. Thank you. They were up, we were up on little round top, which is like one little ridge. And then Devil's Den is a whole grouping of rocks that is sitting on the other side of that valley, basically. And they were running out across and shooting at each other across. Well, there's a monument there to one of the brigades or one of the groups that is a big tower that you can walk up. And then there's a rock down below that said, Captain so-and-so fell here, meaning they found a dead body there and it was this guy. Okay, my kids were like, oh, was he up here in this tower shooting and then he fell down? (laughs) We're like, no, guys, that wasn't here. 
They were little. No, they were actually like 20. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're like, you guys, your education, woo! Yeah, they were at Bunker Hill. <laughs> Lord, help us. This is what happens when you go off your notes. <laughs> It'd be as ridiculous, you guys, and this is where I'm getting at. Looking at scripture from our lens in, it would be the same as going down to where the Boston Massacre happened and wondering how and why none of the windows got shattered from all the other buildings around that area when they shot. Do you get it? You'd be like, dude, there was no buildings here. These these skyscrapers didn't. Do you get my point? But yet in scripture, we do it all the time. It's a really bad thing. Listen, The health and wealth gospel is notorious for this. Let's read in what we want. (laughs) No, let the Bible talk to us and let's go. So what what was going on now? Well, I'll tell you what was going on. When Paul wrote this, do you know who was in charge? Nero. So Americans, we don't get to be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, they had a whole lot easier. They don't know what kind of garbage we're dealing with. (laughs) No, they had a whole lot worse. I mean, not at this moment, though. Did you know that? The first five years of Nero, he actually listened to this guy because he became emperor at, like, I think, age 18, uh, 17 or 18. He was young. And so he, he actually listened to one of the people in the Senate for five years until that guy died under suspicious circumstances, typical of Rome. And, and the reality is after that, that's when he became a, a nut job and started, like, burning Christians at the stake to make lights in his garden and doing all kinds of horrific things. So in this particular moment when this was written, Nero wasn't the despot that we know Nero to be, but he also wasn't the greatest guy in the world. And the Roman rule as at the time, right? The Pax Romana, you guys ever hear of that? The peace of Rome, what did that mean? That means we will squash you like a bug if you get even a little bit out of line. So it wasn't a peace, it was an enforced peace. So there's a lot going on here. That we can't just look at our context and say, well, Paul would never have known what it's like now. It's so much worse. No, 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 no. Take it for what it is. He's saying, submit yourself, subject yourself to governing authorities, even if that governing authority is a complete tyrant. That's hard to hear. From the Jewish perspective, you guys, this message chafed against them as much as it does, or even more than it does, us as Americans. The Jews were absolutely against Rome. There were whole groups of Jews that rebelled in violent ways. When the temple fell in 70 AD, do you know why? Because they revolted. And they had to put it down violently. And then they're like, man, there's a lot of gold up in this temple, yo. And the whole place caught on fire. Why? We don't really know. We, many, many scholars believe it was the Romans that set the temple on fire. But there's also, there were people inside, firing outside in, of the temple. And so they believe maybe that it was set on fire just because they're like, if the Romans are going to take it, we'll just burn it. So they don't really know exactly, although it leans more heavily to the, Ro- the drunk Roman guy, right? In most scholars' opinions. But the reality is, is that when all that happened, that's why when you go to Rome today, when you go to the Wailing Wall, what do you see? You see a bunch of stones down on the ground. Why? Because they took those stones apart to take the gold out from in between. And what did Jesus say before he died? Not one stone we left on, its, on itself. It's all going to be overturned. You guys, that all came because the Jews were like, we hate you, Rome. What did we see in the Gospels? Jesus, he's going to be the guy that comes in and takes Rome out. And then Jesus is like, no, y'all, you're missing it. I'm coming to die. 
and rise again to do something even better and bigger. The Jews were against it. Many didn't even recognize that Rome had any rule over them. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Here in this American context. He ain't my president. And by the way, that counts for the last two presidents. Depending on who you are. He is your president. If you don't like him. Okay. You know what the Bible tells you to do? Pray for him. You don't have to like him. You do have to respect him. And we're going to talk more about that. So, when we read things like this, there's a few big questions that we come to, aren't there? When we read stuff like this, we're like, well, wait a minute. What if our governing authorities aren't doing good? What if our governing authorities are like Hitler, right? Like, think about this. There are real people that dealt with real things, right? Bonhoeffer, anybody ever heard that name? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, was one of the few Christians, right? He was, a, I think he was a Lutheran pastor, but he was one of the few people that stood up and said, no, what Hitler's doing is wrong. This is not right. We cannot stand by this. We cannot support this. Now, Bonhoeffer went really far down the road. He actually tried to kill Hitler. He was part of a plot to assassinate Hitler. I don't know that that was right, personally. But the reality is, is that do you understand that there's stuff like that? Can we also look in the Bible? Do you know that there's times that we read about that even the apostles stood against authority? Flip over, or no, let's not flip over there. We we don't have enough time to flip over there. But what about the times that the apostles stood against the authorities of the Sanhedrin? Remember that? Sanhedrin was a Jewish authority. They were the ones in charge, you guys. Do you remember when when Peter and John, they got called before the Sanhedrin because why? Because they had just healed somebody and they were like, man, and people were talking about Jesus. And so they called him before him and they were like, listen, here's what I'm telling you to do as an authority. You will not talk the name of Jesus. You will not speak the name of Jesus. You will not share the name of Jesus. You will not have anything to do with that name. You're going to shut your mouth. And what did Peter say? He said, man, no, it's between you and God on that one, but we will never stop. We will never stop. And it says they went away after they were beaten, praising God. (laughs) So there is a time. There is a time. So what I've titled this message, you guys, submit to the lowest authority possible. Submit to the lowest authority possible. Because there will be times when you cannot submit to the authority over you because it chafes or it goes against, directly against God's word. Our ultimate authority is God. That's why we started there. God is our ultimate authority. And so you guys, what about this? What about the fact that every apostle was killed, except in the case of John? He had an attempted martyrdom. (laughs) He was boiled alive, and that usually kills people. But it didn't him. Yeah, imagine that. You guys ever see the toxic Avenger? No, never mind. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm going to share it. Toxic Avenger. It's this guy that falls. It's it's a really B-rated movie. It's not a great movie. Anyway, it was something I saw when I was a little kid before I was a Christian. So I don't know that it's that bad. But anyway, but 
It's terrible? Okay, there you go. It's terrible. I don't remember. But I remember this. This kid fell into a vat of toxic sludge. And so he comes out and his skin is like hanging. He's like, like that. That's kind of what I would think of of John after he's been boiled in oil. Like how bad was his skin? What did that look like? How did he look? How much pain did he endure? What did that look like for him? So it's not really a joke. It's just kind of a joke in the sense that it's like he didn't look normal after that. And yet he had to live longer. To me, I think I would have just rather taken the chopped off head. Like, let's just end it here. Right? But instead, John was like, nah, going to keep going. We also have the book of Revelation because John was alive on the island, island of Patmos after that point. So man, God did some amazing things. But the reality is they were all martyred. Why? Because they stood against the authority that said, don't talk about Jesus. So I think we're starting to get this clearer picture, you guys. We are called to obey the authorities over us as long as they're in line with what God says. That's the full measure of what we're reading biblically. That's what we see throughout scripture, you guys. Don't we? There are times when authorities over people said, hey, this is what, listen, God told Moses, go and tell the Pharaoh, set my people free. Let my people go. Moses didn't say, but God, wait a minute, I'm supposed to submit to the authority I'm over. No, at that point, he's like, God told me to do this and I'm doing it. And so he went and told the authority, this is the way this is going to look. And God took care of that, and they ended up going. So the overarching principle is this. Submit to the lowest level of authority that you can. And I need you guys to hear this. Remember that when God gives us layers of authority, it's because it's the design he chose. Do you understand that God wasn't saying this? He wasn't saying, submit to a democratic, you know, governance. He wasn't saying submit only if it's a king over you. He wasn't saying submit only if it's not communism. It doesn't say any of that here. It just says submit. The Bible makes it clear, you guys, there are layers of authority. And I know this is interesting and <laughs> Uh, I wrote this before I realized it was Mother's Day. But the reality is, you guys, here's what the Bible says. Husbands are to lead the wives. Why? Not because husbands are so much better. Not because husbands are smarter. Not because of any reason whatsoever. Do you know the analogy that we always use in, my wife and I do, premarital counseling. We've done it for a lot of people here. So many of you that have gone through premarital counseling with us are going to remember this. It's like driving a car. There are plenty of women here that probably will drive circles around their husbands. Right? There are plenty of women here that could drive at... Yeah, <laughs> I see some women that are... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw that. I'm not looking at those people right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but the truth is, God designed it in a way that the husband's the one driving. And here's what we say in every premarital counseling session. Guess what that means, husbands? You're an idiot if you don't listen to the person that might be a lot better at certain parts of driving than you are. You're a total idiot. Why would you not listen? Why would you not take that in? However, if you go your own way and you're wrong, whose fault is it? That one's easy. It's your fault, husband. (laughs) They've been through some counseling with us. (laughs) 
Husband, if you listen to your wife and she's wrong, guess whose fault it is? Yours. You're the one driving. Do you get it? Husbands are called to lead their wives. And the the truth is, you guys, is that it has nothing to do with who's more capable, who's better at it. God just designed it that way. That's just the way it is. And, And good husbands, husbands that are learning and growing, they figure out quickly that they are not strong at all in every area. They realize that they have tons of weaknesses and that God has put this woman in their life to help them and to bolster them. And they learn like, yeah, no, for real, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And they go the right way and they're driving really smooth and they're like, yeah. And then they screw something up. And that's life. That's marriage, isn't it? And you grow in that and you learn and man, things get a lot cooler through time. The first five years, man, your car's a wreck most of the time because you're like, hey, but you're getting better at it and you're practicing. Now, the reality of that is this though, and this is where we're going with all this. The Bible tells us, man, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church, right? Ephesians 5, which means what? Die, die to yourself. Your way is not the right way all the time. God's way is the right way. Your wife has the right way a lot of times. Sometimes she doesn't. God always does. Go to him. Learn this. Figure it out. Can that be usurped by men? Absolutely. Have we seen that usurped by men? Have we seen authoritative, authoritarian men that are like, woman, do this. Woman. Yeah, we have. That's ugly and gross and not at all what God designed. Right. It doesn't make the design wrong. It makes the human wrong. Right. Do you get it? Yeah. Have we seen women usurp? Yep. Yeah, we have. I want the wheel. It's not your wheel. <laughs> you might be better at it, but I'm driving and we're going to die if you keep doing it this way. That happens too, doesn't it? Why? Hey, listen, my wife and I, have, we've done so much counseling that now we literally will sit there some days and we're like, man, I, I will tell her. I'm like, I, I thank you, Lord, for making me a man. I wouldn't want to be a woman. I, that's hard. You guys have a hard job, man. I don't know how to do my job very good at dying to myself. I got plenty on my plate enough, right? Do you get my point? I'm not going to harp too far on this, but here's my point. Down to the tiniest level of husband and wife, we can usurp authority. Does that make the design wrong? No, because when it's run when it's running smoothly, when, 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 when you're like, man, God, help us. We need your help. And when a guy's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And you're a team and you're behind each other and you're with each other and you're on the same team and you're making progress, man, it is a beautiful thing to watch mm-hmm. in marriages like that. What about this one? Children are called to submit and obey to their parents. Another area of authority. Sadly, you guys, we have parents that are not raising children in a healthy way, don't we? I I love my parents. I really do. I love them dearly. But the reality is, is that I did not raise my children the way I was raised because at five years old, my very first film on VHS in 1980 or whatever that, whatever was out, Laserdisc, I forget what it was, (laughs) was Friday the 13th Part 2. Betamax. Yeah, it probably was Betamax. Was Friday the 13th Part 2. That is not a decision I made for my children. (laughs) Our Halloween tradition was to watch The Exorcist. 
You guys laugh, but that's how I grew up. Was that the best? No, I got crap floating through my brain that I don't want. Scary movies don't scare me. Why? Because I'm like, my home life was scarier. I love my family. I'm not trying to dog them out. I'm saying they went through some really crazy rough patches. And I walk through it with them. The point I'm making, you guys, is that children are still called to submit and obey their parents. Submit to and obey obey their parents. But the reality is, is that, man, some parents sexually abuse their kids, mentally abuse their kids, physically abuse their kids. We have children that are being neglected. Does it make the, the way God designed it wrong? No, it doesn't. Because in a family where things are healthy, and the reality is, I need you to hear this, mom, today, who's probably sitting there like I am as a dad saying, man, I can think of a million different ways that I screwed my kids up. You're never going to do it perfectly, but if your aim is to do it God's way, you did it the best you could. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that design is good. Yeah. You guys, do you realize a church has a design? Do you realize that the design of authority in a church is meant to protect and guide the people that are in that church congregation towards him, mm-hmm. towards growing in your relationship with Jesus? And the reality is, you guys, that Jesus is in charge of this church. Amen. He's the shepherd. He's in charge. I believe that with my whole heart. But the, but the reality is, you guys, he picks the most foolish people in the world to be under shepherds, to be pastors, to be people that are called to like try their best to guide and, and keep the sheep kind of going in the right direction and keeping, keeping them going in the same direction. And what I see in God's word is this, is that the under shepherd should be in front of the flock saying, come on, man, let's go. Let's walk this way. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's see what God has for us in this. That should be the way it is. And the reality is, sadly, is that we have too many under shepherds that are like, Go! and beating them from behind. And we have some under shepherds that are like, I'm going to go do whatever the heck I want. You all better just keep on that path. Man, it gets abused quickly. The other truth of this is, is that the church has elders for a reason. Elders that come alongside the under shepherd and continue to guide and, and seek to see God moving in the way that God has for us to move. That's a good and healthy church. And I pray, you guys, and I pray that you're praying that we remain a healthy church. I believe that's where we're at now. I can tell you I have nothing in my closet. I stand up here and tell you all my junk. I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. But I can say with an absolute clear conscience that the money that's in the church is the church's money, not mine. I can say with an absolutely clear conscience I love my wife dearly. She is hot. She's muy caliente. (laughs) And I'm not worried about the rest of (laughs) y'all. Nothing against anybody. That's just where I'm at. Pray that that stays that way. Because God help us. I don't want to be the person that is ever bringing a church down. You guys, the body's called to submit to the leadership appointed over them of a particular church. And when things are healthy and running the way God designed, it's a beautiful picture of what God desires for his people. It really is. 
Sadly, though, we see that humans too often abuse it and screw it all up. Most obviously, you guys, through failure and leadership. But can I also say that there are many failing churches because the body itself isn't willing to submit to the leadership over them. Do you realize that a congregationally led church, listen, I'm not going to get too far down this rabbit hole, but the congregationally led church was never a thing in the Bible. It was really only ever a thing in America. It didn't exist until then. America's like, hey, this democracy thing kind of works. Let's try it in church. It doesn't work. The only place we ever see any voting happening is when? Is when we actually see the apostles saying, yo, we don't have time to like manage and think about how these widows are being fed. So for you guys, all of you, church, pray over, think deeply, and give us men. I think it was just men. Maybe it was men and women. We see deaconesses all throughout scripture. So there is women involved there. But the point is, as I said, pray and think deeply over who you want to bring forth that is going to do the work of feeding these widows. That was a deacon. You know what a deacon means in the Greek? Table waiter. That's what it means. You're a table waiter. Because they were waiting the tables of these widows and making sure these widows were not You know, the Hellenistic ones, the Greek Jews weren't taking advantage of the other ones and the other ones weren't taking advantage of them. And it was this thing. Why? Because humans were involved and they were screwing it up. And the apostles are like, dude, we've got enough on our plate reading all these scrolls and trying to figure it out. So they're like, you guys raise them up. But it wasn't just because Joe was more popular than Alan. Do you get it? It was because God was working in them. Do you know the first martyr was one of those table waiters, Stephen? These were not just people that were picked willy-nilly. I've been to a congregationally-led church. My mom was blind. My mom showed up once a year to vote for those people. She never was at church otherwise. And so she showed up, and one day I'm reading for her, and I'm saying, so mom, here's, here's the people for deacon. She's like, oh, buddy, buddy's been doing that for years. Just pick him. I'm not dogging my mom out, but do you understand that that's how a lot of congregational churches are ran? And it's like, okay, what has buddy done? Do you know where buddy's at with the Lord? Do you have any idea how buddy's raising his family? Do you have any concept or clue of where buddy's at with the Lord? Because if he's not walking with the Lord, God help us, he shouldn't be in leadership. Now, I knew Buddy, and he was actually a great, great guy, and God was moving in his life. But you know what else, though? Here's the other one. I'm not, this is going to sound really mean, but I just, it's, it's the garbage that I've seen in unhealthy churches. The other one was voting for treasurer. And my mom's like, I don't know any of those names because she hadn't been there in a year. And she's like, put the girl down. Girls are always better. <laughs> really? Guys, it's not healthy. And yes, it is silly, but it's, it's really not healthy. Cops and judges and lawyers and military, you guys, they're all here to protect those that abide by the law and punish and correct those that don't abide by the law. That's the design God gave us. But as with everything else, humans abuse it and screw it up. It doesn't make the design wrong. If you're visiting here today, you're probably like, what the heck? Listen, (laughs) Calvary Chapel, we just pick a book of the Bible and we go through it. And that's where we are. I promise you this, this whole week as I was studying, I was like, God, man, if there's a part to skip. (laughs) 
Here's the cool part. I will, I will give you guys some insight into some things and how God's growing me. Um, my very first time that we got up here in 2012 and I started, we started a Bible study to see if God would help us to plant a church. And then we came across people that actually knew what they were doing. And we came alongside them and helped them, right? Pastor Jim, the founding pastor of the church and his wife, they actually knew what they were doing, sort of. And, <laughs> and we dove in with them. But before that, you guys, I had, we had like a growing Bible study that was happening in Rochester at the Salvation Army in Rochester. And I picked Romans. Why? Because that's where I was at at Liberty University. I was teaching, I was learning Romans. And so I'm like, well, let's just, let's just go through Romans. And we got to Romans chapter 13. And I regurgitated everything that my professor had told me. And we had some folks that were preppers. And he stood up and he was like, don't tell me. And he pounded the table and he got very angry with me. He didn't pound the table, he pounded the pew. And he got angry, angry. And I was like, huh? Because he was like 300 pounds and six foot four. And I was like, you're gonna squash me. And so I had to sit there and I had another meeting with this guy and I had this conversation with him and I was brash and I thought I had it all figured out. And that's where I got to the place because at first I just, my, the way I taught this the first time was submit to the authority, period, end of story. Just shut up. That's what you do. But the more I've studied, the more I looked at God's word, the more I've seen the times that there was times to rebel and there were times to stand up against things whenever they were going against God, the more I realized, yeah, you know what? There is a time for that. However, on the flip side of that coin, I was also able to have really great conversation with this brother who was like, you know what? You're not 100% wrong here. And just because I don't like the president doesn't mean I can't pray for the president. And just because I don't like the president doesn't mean I'm not supposed to submit to the authority over me. Because the reality is, the design that God's given us here in this country, you guys, is beautiful. Not perfect, not amazing, but it's pretty darn good. And I would dare say, it's probably the best form of governance in this world. And I've been to a lot of different countries through the military and just through travel. And listen, and I know most of you guys have traveled a lot too. There are definitely countries that are not doing well in their government. And yet God's word is the same for them too. And it's only by God's grace, you guys, that we were born here because this is a reality for all of us. And the reality of the design that God's given us is easier for us as American Christians than it is if we were put, to put ourselves in the context of, of North Korea or to put ourselves in the context of China or Iran or Saudi Arabia. And I just picked four random places. You guys, we're blessed with a government system that is mostly aiming <laughs> at trying to do what is good and to punish what is evil, mostly. Why do I say Mostly. Because it's filled with humans. But just as we've already talked about, you guys, we follow the lowest level of authority we can. So I want to talk about some crazy examples of this. Parents, you want to take your kids to McDonald's to get an ice cream, to get a McFlurry. No cops ever going to come to your door and be like, hey, you better watch it. Nope. If your kids were to call the cops and be like, my parents want to take me to McDonald's and I don't want to go. They're going to be like, 
go to McDonald's, freak. <laughs> right? They're going to hang up the phone on you. No, you guys, there's not going to be a Senate hearing about it. There may be in the world we live in today. Who knows? <laughs> but the reality is you are free to take your child to go get a McFlurry if you want to bless them in that way, aren't you? As a parent, there's nothing wrong with that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you shouldn't go enjoy a burger. Now, there are some Old Testament scriptures that we are not under that talk about the fact that you shouldn't have a McFlurry and pour it over your burger and eat it or cook the burger in the McFlurry. There's all sorts of weird stuff, but let's not go there. Let's just stay here. (laughs) Right? The fact is, you guys, is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. But kids, if your parents want you to go and rob a bank... If they want to teach you how to rob a bank, the reality is the cops, the next level of authority up, the authorities over us, the cops would say, no, that's a problem. We don't want you to do that. That's a bad idea. Children should not obey that command. Does that make sense? What about this? Your boss asks you to work a few hours extra. If you have the ability to do it, you guys, there is nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's way more fun when you're getting paid time and a half than when you're salaried. We all know that, right? What does salary exist for? You guys know why salary exists? Salary exists because you're going to work more than 40 hours a week most of the time, (laughs) and they don't want to pay you extra. Ah, military life. But the reality is, you guys, is that your boss asking you to work a few hours extra, there's nothing wrong with it. Have at it. If your boss asks you to spend a few extra hours shredding financial documents to avoid the IRS, that's a problem. Do not submit. You don't submit to the, the authority over you in that. You're like, no, that's wrong. And oh, by the way, since you told me that, I'm taking this to the cops. Like, that's a problem. As silly as these may seem, can I tell you, we are confronted with a lot of things today that are equally true. Aren't we? We are, you guys. There's a lot of things going on. We are confronted with a lot of things in the day and age that we live in. And we've got to ask, how do we honor and follow God and still respect and follow authority over us. And sometimes those, they butt up against each other. And I think in the world we live in, it's, it's not going to get better. It's probably going to get worse. So these are real questions and real things that we have to chew on. And mature believers, you guys, it's stuff that you've got to go to the Lord with. It's not something that I can teach about up here and be like, oh, got it. Yeah, this is easy. Great. Got it. No. It's not easy. And I don't know everyone's absolute context in every situation. Because I do know a few things, though. We recognize, you guys, what God says here is that whoever resists the authorities resists the ordinance of God, meaning whoever resists this design, the way this is meant to look, resists the ordinances of God. But the truth is, is this. We know that God works all things for good to those who love him. So do you understand that God put those people there? He did. Do you guys know that he put the Assyrians where they, are, where they were to go and take out the northern kingdom? But do you also know later in scripture, you know what he says? The Assyrians went much further than I wanted them to. They abused the power that they were given. And God took care of that for them, on them. Do you get what I'm getting at? God is still in charge. And God still works good, even out of things that we're like, man, this does not look good. So we follow him first. 
We follow him first, but we submit to the lowest level of authority possible in every situation. And the Roman believers, you guys, both Jew and Gentile, let's keep the context. They had to walk this tightrope too between supporting financially through paying their taxes, a government that basically told them, you need to come and worship emperor as God. They supported financially through taxes and they, they gave, you know, they, they took care of and did the things that they were supposed to do while at the same time living in an absolutely pagan culture that was all around them, that the government helped. You guys, things are not that much different, are they? You guys, God uses everything to further his kingdom. Everything. And if you don't believe that, it doesn't take much looking around in church history to see that every time the church was the most persecuted was when the church grew the most. God uses all things. He uses tyrants. He uses despots. He uses all things for his good. Now, there are times, like I said, when you're going to have to stand against that. And here's a case in point. Christians in this day in Rome did not go and worship, or worship the emperor as God. Did you guys know that that was a thing? They didn't care that you worshiped any other thing. Rome didn't care. All you had to do was once, I think once a year, or once every six months, I forget exactly, you had to go and you had to take a pinch of incense and throw it into the fire and say, I, I know that, that the emperor is God. And then you were able to walk out and do whatever you wanted that that was a thing that they had to do. Christians didn't do it. Many of those Christians ended up in the Colosseum getting eaten by lions because they just wouldn't do that one thing. Why? Because what does God's word say? There shall be no other God before me. That's one of those ones. If we get a president that says, hey, I'm a God. (laughs) No, no, dude, you're too old. (laughs) Or your hair's too big. (laughs) Or you're too cocky, right? Any number of things. You're too human. (laughs) There's a time, there's a time that you stand strong in the Lord's word, whatever that means. And I need you to hear this, you guys, even if it means your job, even if it means persecution, even if it means all these other things, revolution, you guys, I think is in American's blood, isn't it? It is, right? We, we're like, man, dude, who doesn't like Bunker Hill and the Revolutionary War? Yeah, that's right. I brought it back. <laughs> we all love that. But do you know this? The men that started our country and were truly Christian, because I would not count Sam Adams. I don't know where he was with the Lord, but he was definitely a rabble rouser that wanted nothing more than to bring war to this world. I wouldn't qualify him as a person that was trying to bring peace, but do you know who was? John Adams. John Adams was like, let's do anything we can to avoid this. Let's do our best to try to find an amicable way to get around this, right? George Washington, he didn't just get in there and be like, I'm the man, I'm your leader. No, quite the opposite. He's like, I don't want to do this, but I will if you want me to. Because he realized that there was, they were coming to a place where they could not live peaceably. Do you understand? But there were many men that started our country that didn't want that. And guys, I feel like as a country, we've become this place where we look back and we 
put our own application. We do exactly what we just talked about earlier, right? We put the, all the buildings up around and wonder how they didn't get the windows blown out because we're kind of stupid and we don't look at history correctly. These men did not want this. They were doing everything they could to avoid it, most of them. Christians, we are to live at peace as much as is humanly possible. We are called to pray for our leadership. We are called to love people well. If we're going to start a revolution, I want the revolution to be a revolution of love. I want the revolution to be a revolution that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to heaven. And dude, you are missing it entirely if you're putting your hope or faith in in any other thing. Your good works suck. They're never going to get you there. Nothing in this world is going to get you to heaven except Jesus Christ. That's the revolution that I want us to start, church. Because I think that's the only one worth starting. You guys, we're called to render taxes to who they're due. I know that chafes up against some of you preppers. But the reality is, yeah, do I agree with every way our tax money's spent? No, not at all. Not at all. The reality is, I bet if you took a poll, it would probably be 99 to 100% of the people in this world would disagree with some form of how the tax money is spent. I think it's one, one of the things that everyone agrees upon. <laughs> Nobody's 100% happy with how the tax money is spent. Guess what, Christians? That's why we pray for them, to get, that God would grant them wisdom to spend our money well. Christians, do the same thing for us as a church, man. You guys give your tithes. We want to spend them on the things that the Lord wants us to spend them on, not on other things. Customs to who they're due. What does that mean? Don't hide your purchases from other countries. Ooh! Did you guys know that the astronauts on Apollo 11, who, someone told me this. The astronauts on Apollo 11 had to claim the moon rock they brought back from the moon in customs. Did you know that? That's a true, that's true. (laughs) I went to the moon, didn't see anybody. (laughs) Took their rocks. When we were in Africa, we learned a lesson this this year. We came through and we brought computers for them. We brought books for them. And we're like, man, we're going and we're supporting an orphanage. And so we brought all these things in and they were like, hey man, did you... Did you claim this in customs? And we're like, what? No. And we weren't trying to hide anything. We were just doing what we were doing, right? We bought, we, when, you, when you bring like all these like stuff through, it's hard. And we did this in the DR too. We brought a lot of stuff through, right? Now, you get to some governments, some countries, and they're, they're sketch, man. They're just trying to grease the palm, right? In Africa, for sure, that's true. Listen, in Africa, part of the budget that we do on the thing is to, to pay the driver to be able to pay the cops because if they see a bunch of white people in a van, they pull you over automatically because they're like, yeah, where's the money? And so they literally don't pull over, y'all. They take whatever amount of shillings and they go, Wah! and they whip it out the window and keep driving. <laughs> and the cops are like, sweet, and they go pick it up. So there's some real nasty stuff, but the reality is the Bible says here, man, give the customs to who customs are due. And so, yeah, going forward, we learn some lessons. We got to pay for those books. Now, you can negotiate with them because they start wicked high because they're going to be like, and we're going to pay for dinner and probably get buy our kids some shoes and do all this. And so we're like, yeah, but would you take this? And then you come to a middle ground and you're like, cool. And everyone's in agreement and the customs paid. I'm not saying don't be wise, 
right? We had prenatal vitamins that they were trying to take. They looked in one and found prenatal vitamins. You know what we did with the rest? Took them away. Took them out to the van. Why? Because they were looking at that one, not everyone. Now, I don't have any compunction about any of that because again, I'm looking and saying, God, we're trying to do your work. We're trying to do it the right way. We're trying to do it the way you've called us to. But this scripture does and should inform us as Christians when we're doing missions work to say, Lord, what does this look like? We don't want to just break the rules. That's the point. You want to pay customs to who they're due. And that's not just specifically money, right? We're also looking at customs as far as um, in this place, when the emperor walked by, you would bow. That's a custom, right? You wouldn't go up and punch the president in the face. I mean, you could, I guess. Probably wouldn't end well for you in any way, shape, or form. But it also wouldn't be being very Christian. Fear. Fear here, you guys, stands for respect and awe. The government has been given the power to bring what it needs to bear so that good order and discipline is maintained. That's the idea of the government. You guys, it's very evident for any military member. You must have a level of respect for the rank on someone's shoulder or on their sleeve. You have to. Without it, there would be no order. And so you have to have respect. Now hear me. You don't necessarily have to respect the person that has the uniform on, but you still have to respect the stripes on their sleeve or the rank insignia on their lapels. You have to respect that. That's how order is maintained. Period. And can I just tell you, when all that's done in line, and when the person that's in the uniform is also worthy of respect, man, it's beautiful. It works well. I've had bosses in the military that I loved working for because they were good people, and they were right out there with me doing the work, and they were awesome. I wanted to be that kind of boss whenever I became a boss, when I gained some stripes. The worst ones were the ones that had to keep reminding you of the stripes they had, and you were like, dude, if you have to remind me, you're doing something wrong. But it still didn't change the fact that I had to respect that person. I had to respect the fact that they were over me. Now, God's telling this, telling us that even when it isn't something that is easy even when it is something that you're looking at and you're like, man, this guy, I don't like him, whatever. Well, listen, if it's not going against any higher authority, if they are not breaking God's law, if they're not doing any of those things, follow it. Submit to it. You think you should go a lot faster on the interstate? Don't. Ooh, the Holy Spirit was just like. (laughs) Do you get my point? Honor. Honor. It's the last part I want to talk about, honor. We here in America struggle with this one. And I'm freely admitting here that I struggle with this one too. Do you know why? Because I was raised very poor and my parents put this and drilled this into my head and that was this. Everybody puts their pants on the same and nobody's special. Why did we say that? Because we felt very not special. And we felt like everybody was over us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you guys, the reality is, is that God has called us to honor those in authority. And this means we have to have high respect and admiration for them. That's what this means, honor. And I think that it's very difficult at times. And I don't think that it was any less difficult for them in the time that this was written. I don't think it's ever an easy thing to do. But but guys, it never changes the word of God. Paul wrote about this in Acts 23, 1 through 5. You guys can go read it. He's there before the Sanhedrin again. 
The chief priest tells him to smack him in the mouth. You guys remember that? Paul was actually hard of, he had really bad eyesight, most people think. And so he was like, you know, basically cursed the chief priest for doing that. And then they were like, how dare you revile the chief priest, the high priest, right? And he was like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Forgive me. Because the Bible says I shouldn't do that. The, the word says that I shouldn't, I shouldn't revile those in authority over me. And so he, right then and there, yeah, he didn't do it perfectly. But do you understand that he was like, man, I don't like what this guy just did to me, but it still is something that I'm not going to revile him on. We also saw him live it out in Acts 23, or I'm sorry, in, in, uh, yeah, in Acts 23, 1 through 5. We saw him live it out. We saw him walk this out. So this is where we're going to stop. The truth is, we follow Christ first. We do our best to walk in knowing what his word says so that we know what the right thing to do is. And we submit to the lowest level of authority possible. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come to you with, from your word, Lord God. And Lord, man, this message... Help us. We need your help. God, I pray for our, our government. Lord, you know the stuff that's going on there, the shenanigans, the nonsense. God, I pray, Father, that you would be in the midst of all that, Lord, that you, Lord, would walk and, uh, and, and be with them. God, for those that don't know you, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would put people in their path that would help them to come to know you. Father, for those that are in government, Lord God, that do know you, God, would you help them to be strong bastions of your word, speaking truth, walking it out day by day. God, be with us as we walk this out. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.